Chime in, anytime. <laughs> oh no, I'm enjoying this far too much. Haven't you ever seen a rare hairless Wookiee before? Oh. Always remember I am here. Always remember I am not a Wookiee. Hello there and welcome to episode 37 of Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast where we travel through the galaxy watching each episode of every Star Wars TV series in whatever order we please. I'm your host, Tommy. And I'm your other host, Dave (laughs) Filaroni, (laughs) also known as Cassie. And today we are talking about Dave. Season two of The Bad Batch still. We're looking at episodes four and five in that uh, little teaser that Cass just gave the filler uh, (laughs) part uh, is something that we're going to talk about because that's been the talk of the town. Oh, (laughs) Jinx. When it comes to these episodes. But yeah, so today's episodes that we are discussing are episode four, Faster, and episode five, Entombed. But before we jump into that... Let's just talk about filler. What is filler, Tommy? Great question. I'm so Does glad. Does it exist? I'm so glad that you asked. First of all, like no. lip filler? Well, yes, lip filler exists. I don't know anything about that. I I mean, I guess I kind of do <laughs> know what lip filler is generally. But, yes. Um, no. So, okay. Just to, to give... A, a brief kind of background on the discussion. you're not aware of what's going on. There's been a lot of people in terms of this season of Bad Batch. We're five episodes deep now. We haven't gotten a ton of plot details. And so that's kind of led to a lot of folks throwing around the term filler in a very pejorative way as it pertains to these episodes. Um, and I just also want to just call out, like, I, or, or rather say... This isn't intended to, like, call anyone out or, like, basically, like, say anything bad about, like, what other people are saying. Like, you're allowed to have your opinions about, They just you know, might whatever. also not be aware that the term is pejorative in some ways. Like, it's a word that everyone uses, right? Well, like, in I terms think, of media and things like that. Like, an anime and things like that. I think I think a lot of people are using it in a pejorative way. So, just to give, give kind of context. So, there's not really... I don't think there's a definition. <laughs> there's no like Merriam-Webster's definition you of what filler. You look up filler, you'll filler. see lips. Yeah, yeah. But I think filler generally people would say... So there is a TV tropes definition, which I, I guess would be the source we would use, which just kind of like... So they define it at filler episodes as entries in a generally continuous serial that are unrelated to the main plot, don't significantly alter relationships between the characters, and generally serve to only take up space. So again, I mean, TV Tropes is kind of a tongue-in-cheek yeah. website a lot of the time. So it's even TV Tropes. <laughs> yeah, even that is a very kind of pejorative definition. My take on filler is something that 
if you were to say and this is purely a filler episode i i tend to like immediately think about like dragon ball z Mm. um oh my god where there are episodes where it's like someone is just powering up for forever Mm -hmm. and there's like literally very little that actually happens in the episode And, and actually filler i think tends to be used for more for like animation and more for anime than it is for you know most other things um that said i don't mind episodes sometimes that are like not completely connected to the plot like and we're going to talk individually about some of these episodes i don't even know if i would classify either of these episodes as filler no especially given that definition that we just talked about because we get relationship development things happen too things happen they're not like big story drops but they're they have a story arc it's also interesting to me that people are saying filler right prior to us really knowing what is going to happen in the plot right we don't know if these things are connected to something huge which exactly they really could be (laughs) yeah we have two episodes that introduce new characters Mm -hmm. that that look at existing characters kind of relationships and set up things for the future if those if in you know the next batch of episodes or towards the end of the series we have callbacks to those episodes then like how are they filler episodes exactly first of all and second of all Again, I think people are throwing around the term filler just to mean an episode that's like not furthering the plot or answering questions that we already have. Yeah. And if you want to use that as a definition, again, there's no real definition for it. That's fine. I'm okay with those types of episodes. There's something to say about what I think some people mean by that is like, if you're a person watching the show and you miss an episode, you're not missing something that is integral to the foundation of what was happening in a pivotal part of the like if you skip an episode you might miss a few crucial little nuggets for sure because absolutely like we just said there's character development there's entertainment to be had and enjoyment in the episode oh for sure but you might you might miss it but still understand what's going on still be able to follow the story right yeah there's something to be said about that yes that is exactly what's happening in these two episodes however we also don't know where things are going and like you said there's a we had a we had like a dramatic moment that we'll talk about with Sid and some mm-hmm. development and then we had a very bizarre episode after that that really we don't know where that's going and it and it potentially ties into other Star Wars properties it potentially ties into like historical context and things so which is what the first bad batch series did too if mm-hmm. you don't remember the first 5 or 6 episodes we were seeing like you know, throwbacks to um, the Clone Wars. We were seeing throwbacks to, like, characters that, you know, that we love and enjoy. Um, You know, there was that whole... I remember one of my favorite episodes in the first Bad Batch season that literally had no other tie around to, like, the big story was the Rancor, when they were capturing the baby Rancor. Like, that was so fun. Yeah. So, and that's that's kind of where I live with this discussion. I mean... When you think about like your favorite episodes of TV series, a lot of times the episodes that stand out aren't the ones that are like just following the plot, right? Like I think with something like Star Wars shows, oftentimes that is the case. You know, when we think about like our favorite episodes of the Clone Wars, like immediately what comes to mind is kind of like the end of Clone Wars, which are obviously like tying up the loose ends and, and, and things like, like that. And also like um, the Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Sorry to interrupt you, but I was just, yeah. just like... 
shot through my head really fast. Like, I think we're kind of accustomed to being satisfied quickly. And and that's that's my thing, right? Is that that's that's kind of where I wanted to go with this, because I think that there is within fandoms, there is a a very privileged stance that fans take of just wanting things now, wanting things to happen as quickly as they can, wanting the answers as soon as season one. Like, we're five episodes in. Is it a little bit longer of a wait than I was expecting to start getting some nuggets tying back to the previous season? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I want some information, too. I'm the most impatient fucking person I know. (laughs) But at the same time, like, I also... I also realized, like, that's not, that hasn't been, like, the normal cadence for, like, television shows for Cartoons years. specifically. In animation. Yeah, animation. Like, it's always random shit. Remember that Cowboy Bebop episode? I was going to shout out our friend Derek's podcast, oh. Gimmicks, because yeah, the huge thing in a lot of TV is Gimmicks episodes, where there's an arc where, like, some of my favorite Riverdale episodes, think of something, think, speaking of something that has no fucking plot or something crazy... They're just musical episodes, and some people hate that stuff, but there's something to be said about the directors and writers being able to flex their creative muscles and, like, get to tell a story in a 30-minute period that, you know, may not entirely connect to something that happens later on, but also think about some of the most pivotal Clone Wars episodes, like the... um, the one where they go to that other planet and we have these force gods. Yeah. Like, that... That has had nothing a, to do with that's anything. The, again, the whole reason we made this podcast was after we watched that episode. Yeah. Like... In, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I was thinking of gimmicks as well um, when when I was kind of like thinking of like the talking points I wanted to say about filler because, um, yeah, again, shout out to our, our good friend Derek. Like, I think he... A lot. I, well, I don't want to speak for him, but I think like there's a defense to be made of like the quote unquote filler episodes. Now, I will say like when we were talking about earlier, like those the anime episodes where it's like it feels like there literally is nothing that happens um, and there's no progression. Like I can see people being critical of those, but I also don't think that like one don't throw out the concept as a whole because there is merit in episodes that are just using that are kind of creative explorations like you were talking about Cass. But there's also, I think, I think saying like the episodes that we've gotten so far of Babatch are just filler or mostly just filler. I don't think is accurate because we don't know yet Mm -hmm. at the end of the season. Maybe we can go back and say, well, these were more. And, And here's the other thing I'll say. I would prefer, and a lot of people use this term too, to talk about like how the show is, is kind of, structured and i think it's fair to say that bad batch is more adventure of the week kind of series at this point Mm -hmm. than a lot of other shows that we have with star wars and like that's okay it's you know that's that's kind of what this is also like a kid show too that's the other thing too it's like i know we don't want it to be and i know the majority of people who watch it probably aren't kids but i actually know a co-worker who told me how excited her 12 year old daughter was to go watch bad batch it's an all-ages show i think i think it's an all-ages show it's an all it's meant to bring in people who you know are younger fans who are into animation it also has been to bring in people like us who are just like huge fans of animation um but i i I think that like again the pejorative nature of like just saying like oh all these filler episodes it's like you can't i one i hate any kind of discourse that just throws a term out that's intended to 
basically like stifle discourse. It's like, oh, it's just filler. Like, mm-hmm. that's not, how do we talk there's about that? There's plenty to talk about. Yeah, there's tons to talk about. And also, about. what if, okay, think about, I have two hypotheses to throw at you. One, if we learned Omega's origin in the first episode of season two, where do we go from there? Wouldn't you be more annoyed if that happened at the beginning and then you have all these filler, filler, quote unquote, episodes afterwards that don't make sense? Yeah. Like there's a build up, there's a tension. And like you said, there's drops and hints of things to come. Also, again, we don't fucking know what's going on. We don't. I think, you know, we were all kind of like edging on the end of it all, it all season comes back one. To edging. It all comes back to edging. Like the end of season one, we're on our seats, on the edge of our seats, waiting for the reveal, right? Mm-hmm. But we have to realize that we're starting a new course and these people. They want it to seem real. They want it to seem like, you know, there's no reason for the Bad Batch to go investigating Omega's origins or figure out what's going on with them right now because they're living a life, right? They're mercenaries. Mm-hmm. And I think that was important in the first episode to be like, they have all this time. We've been waiting for them to get right back in the action, have been crabbing and trying to make money and trying <laughs> to like figure out what their part in life is. And we've actually got a lot of that discussion so far. Yeah, I think it's it sets up... It sets up plot points later on. I also think it sets the tone for, like, who they are now. I also think, like, at the end of the day, like, when you look at, like, what the Bad Batch are, they're, like, uh, the A-team, right? Like, yes. Which are, like, fundamentally those shows, That's like... That's how they were introduced to us. They, they they were intended to be, like, an Adventure of the Week kind... Like, ba- basically pulling from, like, Adventure of the Week type characters, like... Ninja Turtles and mm-hmm. uh, the A Team and like stuff like that, where it's like they can do these side stories while The Mandalorian and Andor and all of these other shows kind of do the heavy lifting of moving forward the plot at this time. That's the other thing is like we have so much stuff right now that deals with like the heavy themes and the heavy plot of Star Wars at this point in time, which is a very condensed timeline when you really stop to think about it. Like, we've explored a ton of it already in comics and books and TV shows. Like, that, like, I mean, fuck, let us just have, like, the adventure of the week, you know, style mercenary dudes. Like, it's fine. Now, I will say, Again, this isn't to stifle like the criticism people have because I do think... I will be sad if we don't find out things. Like, if this whole season is like that, it would would kind of suck. Like, there... But I have a feeling if we're looking at the trajectory of the last season, it's probably going to be the last. We're going to have some two-parters at the end. You know, that's what Clone Wars likes to do. They like to have all these fun, like, side quest episodes. And then we get, like, a two, a crazy heavy-ass two-parter yeah. that's like, shit. The next, uh, I, I don't know if it's the next episode, but one of the next episodes is, like, literally called The Clone Conspiracy. Like, we're mm. getting we're getting more stuff, like, soon. I, and, and I will say, I think that the fair criticism that people can't have that isn't just oh, it's all filler episodes is is the is the slow burn that we're being introduced to too slow and i think there could be an argument made that that is the case yeah we're getting a little we're getting a little antsy too i we think kind of both like after these two episodes we're like okay well i, I want to know something like, yeah. give us a little bit more like even if you're going to give us one of these like can you please like it could have been more a little more integrated yes. i know that feels kind of like the complete opposite of what we were just saying. But I think we're just defending the fact why these exist. But I don't think... But that doesn't mean that we're not entirely unsatisfied because, yes, we are. Like, we want to we wanna know these things, too. I don't think it's the opposite of what we're saying. I think what we're saying, and it, 
what I'm saying, at least, I, I think you're we're both on the same page about this, is that... You fil- say it better than me. <laughs> filler episodes, just to kind of summarize, the filler episodes are fine. Well, one, let me back up. I don't know that, like, we don't know if we can classify what we've gotten as quote-unquote filler episodes. Adventure of the Week episodes are fine. We're okay with that. There are some questions that we still want answered, and it does seem like we haven't gotten that trickle of information quite yet that we have we would have wanted. I think all of those things can be true at the same time, especially when you're looking at the way we do. We look at like each individual episode as its own kind of self-contained thing, but then also mm-hmm. look at like the overarching story. You can have a phenomenal episode that has nothing to do with this story. That's what we were just talking Again, about. Again, some of our favorite Clone Wars episodes have nothing to Absolutely. do with the, the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, and like you can have that, but then also be like, man, it's been like five episodes since we've gotten like the actual plot details. Yep. Those are conversations that can happen, but when you just say like, when you just throw the, the baby with the bathwater kind of thing where it's like, you know, oh, these episodes are just filler. I, I, you know, I just want to know what's happening. Like, that's a that's an argument that, like, I can't get behind because it's like, OK, well, appreciate or have have a discussion about what we're getting at least and not just say, like, it doesn't matter because I just want to know what's going on with Omega. I want to know when the Bad Batch are going to get back together. I want to know what's going on with Rampart. Like, you can have those questions, but you can't. But I also don't think it's fair to just say, like, you know, these episodes aren't worth talking about because they don't further the plot. Like that's not, that's kind of not what I'm here for. At that least. was, that was me giving Tommy drag queen snaps and <laughs> saying filler is for lips. <laughs> and I'm going to fucking make a Photoshop picture of record with filler lips now. I love it. I love it. Well, with all of that out of the way, let's <laughs> actually dive in and talk about these three episodes. Sorry, two episodes. Uh, Cass, you want to take us into the first episode, episode four, <laughs> Faster? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Um, also, another shout out to Star Wars Pod. Oh, yeah. So our um, episode dropped last week. Uh, we actually got to film it live on Twitch, which was really fun. Um, Mike and Tommy were amazing they were so fun i really the other tommy not the other tommy O, which was really funny that he did that i don't know if he did it because i told you remember when we were i was like we should you were like what how are we going to differentiate i was like you should be tommy O because of teo but i i don't know if that's his last name or if he did that because of teo but i was like man we're thinking on the same page yeah definitely shout out to them if you want to hear our discussion um with the the folks over at star wars podcast be sure to check them out um and we'll probably leave a link into the description we did talk about this episode that we're going to discuss again here Mm -hmm. um but if you want to hear kind of our conversation with them we also went into a lot of different directions too yeah Um, i actually love the way that those guys when they have host on how they throw questions at people back and forth it's really really fun yeah and they have really fun questions i love the uh de- definitely tune in if you want to hear our hypotheses for what characters we want to mm-hmm. see i actually changed my mind i don't want to see baby leia because she's a baby <laughs> although it'd be really funny to see a really annoying baby leia that just like poops her pants all the time i will and be is, like i will be totally honest i think yours is actually after you said it i was like that seems very plausible i want to see something. the bad badge taking care of a baby I, I want that episode. Yeah. That is an, a side quest episode I want to see. Yeah. Anyway, um, so this episode, Faster, the, mod- the motto of the little fortune cookie that they say, which is so stupid, uh, in the Wikipedia for Clone Wars. But the summary on Disney Plus says, the team enters the colorful and dangerous world of racing. 
Uh, this is directed by Stuart Lee, written by Matt McConavitz, um, who was a head writer for Clone Wars. We've nice. heard of this before as well, uh, specifically season six and seven. Yep. So that's always promising, mm-hmm. of course. I'm going to go over the cast. I'm going to go over the new folks, but I'm also going to um, talk about Jonathan Lipow again. He's the announcer, and he also plays Jet Venom. Uh, Jet Venom is a type of droid that we've seen before. I'm actually going to go into all the like little racers, too, because there's like fun little things about them. But uh, Jet Venom is the same droid as B-20N, who we've seen before. He was that black protocol droid that served the twins, Am and Kare, in Visions. Oh, cool. So the same type of droid. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and he's also in God of War and Overwatch. Um, Ernie Hudson as Greeny Malegi. Yeah. Holy shit. Winston in Ghostbusters. He's in The Crow, Oz. He's also in the new Quantum Leap in Gracie and Frankie. I wanted to shout out some of the newer stuff he's doing yeah, I don't, that he's in consistently. I don't know. I don't know about the new Quantum Leap at all. I don't either. I didn't yeah. know it existed. Yeah. I know my dad used to watch the The fact that I don't know about it leads me to believe it might not be great. Well, yeah, because <laughs> it's like, like, it was such a big thing. Yeah, I don't know, but... But Ernie Hudson's amazing. Mm-hmm. His voice is so iconic. Yeah. So gravelly and beautiful. What, it, um, what's funny is when we when we were watching this episode... We so knew immediately. We're, we're going to talk about the next uh, voice actor um, who is in this as well, but like... We immediately knew that person, but this, but Ernie Hudson, it was like, God, I know that voice. Yeah, yeah we've heard could it millions not, of times. Could not place it. Um, but yeah, as soon as we looked it up, it was like, oh, holy shit. Because like, he's, he's done a lot of voice acting, but he's definitely more known in, in most circles as an actor, mm-hmm, right? Yep. So that's kind of why. But the next guy, when we talked about this on the Star Wars pod, which we were surprised that other people didn't recognize him, but I think oh it's because we're so we're, addicted yeah. to Ben fucking Schwartz. <sighs> I love him so much. I have such a crush on him. Um, we know him from, uh, Parks and Rec, obviously, as John Ralphio, yep. technically I'm homeless, and all the singing that he does on that, and then obviously, like, we love Comedy Bang Bang, he's, like, one of Scott Ackerman's, like, BFFs, and he's on there all the time. He's a very prominent, uh, uh, improv person, <sighs> He's just great. Person, yeah, just before so great. he kind of got into being a... Sp- premier i guess like character like actor and then now like kind of leading actor in certain things so obviously voice of also sonic the hedgehog Mm -hmm. and leonardo in the new tmnt series yeah rise of uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles which is i really like that show yeah also he's not unknown to the star wars universe he clearly loves star wars he did the (laughs) he did voice noises for bb8 along with bill Hader. so the thing there is that um they did digitally altered sounds. So, like, they made noises and then they digitally altered them. So, not technically, like, the voice, but he and Bill Hader made droid noises and then they used them, which was really funny. They were, like, specifically listed as, like, they, their credit is, is strange. It's, like, not, like, voice acted. It's, it's like, like, voice engineer voice or something. talent or something. Or so, something. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. But because it is a really cool thing. It's so neat. Because Brian Herring and Dave Chapman actually perform BB-8, like, mm-hmm. digitally. But, like... They used bits and pieces of Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz, like, noises, which I would love to have been in there, like, just listening to them make weird noises. Yeah, can you imagine? Um, he also was a stormtrooper in that movie, yep. which is so cool. I love when they do stuff like that. Like, why not? Like, let a little boy's dreams go. Like, you know, fly. Like, you don't have to do anything special, right? Like, there are a lot of, there's a lot oh, of. Oh, there's tons. Yeah. Yeah, people. I would love who... to have seen the mask off and all of the famous actors just like fucking stormtroopers. Yeah. Like, anyway, so we we were absolutely obsessed when we first heard. Yeah, his like voice immediately, come into this. I we was just like, screamed, "Know that, yep, <laughs> know that fucker." That's our boy. That's our boy. We we pretend like we know him 
personally, just because we hear his voice like at least once every day in our life. Um, so this episode opens up with the group on Ord Mantel, Wrecker and Omega are just like playing Dejaric. And apparently Hunter and Echo are off delivering Nerf nuggets. So like their mercenary work has been really shitty. Like, they're Uber Eats drivers now. Basically. Oh, well, apparently they're going to get the food, cook the food with the crabs, yeah. and then deliver the food. Uh, also, a little shout out. Nerf nuggets are basically like chicky nuggies in this world, which I assume that Grogu probably likes. Chicky nuggies. Grogu's like, I want to eat frog and Nerf Nuggies. Give me my Nerf Nuggies yep. and my chalky milk, my blue milk. Chalky milk. Um, so obviously, Nerf Herder, a Nerf. Uh, we, we've heard of these guys before. Um, Chewbacca eats them, too. Did you and say Chewbacca? Chewbacca. Chewbacca eats them. And Han <laughs> thinks they're gross. And once, Luke was at a noodle shop and had Nerf Nuggets and noodles. I just want to know that. I just think that's important. <laughs> anyway. We love we love Star Wars food. We've, we've talked about this. Oh, we're going to get some yeah. Nerf Nuggies when yeah. we go. Oh, yeah, that's We're right. going to do a whole like, shebang when we go to... Oh, you... I know we've said it before, but basically for Tommy and I's like 20th year anniversary, we've been we've been together. Tenth. No, we've been together for 20 years. Okay, but it's our 10th wedding but anniversary. It's our 10th wedding anniversary. But seriously, our 20 year anniversary is kind of more important. Um... We're going to Star Wars World. <laughs> we're going to Disney World for a week, but we're going to spend a lot of time in the Star Wars area. We're saving up to do everything. So we're going to take you guys on a tour of the droid building and the food and the lightsabers. Like, we're going to go all the fuck out. So tune in for that because that's going to be really fun. We might even do a recording that week. Yeah, sure. That would be really fun. Who knows? Um, anyway, this leaves us on a mission with that's just going to be Wrecker, Omega, and Tech. Which is great, because they're like my three faves now. Mm -hmm. After this episode, that kind of solidified this. And getting into that whole bad word thing, that filler thing, we're learning a lot about these characters as individuals now. This character Which I great. really love. Yeah. Yes. Especially with Sid. So Sid goes to, they go to Safatoma, which is a spaceport uh, with a land speeder race called Riot Racing, which is the first time we've seen this. Basically pod racing, but even more violent, because we've seen that pod racing can kill people. Um, but these people actually soup up their speeders to have like claws and saws and guns. And um, it's extremely dangerous. Sid has bet on the droid Teo, which is Ben Schwartz's character. And he's a droid that we haven't really seen before. Very interesting design. Um, he wins the race they're watching. And clearly, like, when he gets off the track, we immediately see that Tech and Teo are not going to get along. Uh, they have all this banter between, like, you know, interestingly enough, Tech is like, there's actually more to um, driving or like racing than just being like a like a droid, being basically. which is funny yeah. because that's kind of how tech is all the time. He's very like robotic, right? So it's kind of interesting that he knows that too. It kind of reminds me of Harris whole like flying is a feeling, driving's a feeling thing. Like tech kind of gets that, I think. Um, I also wanted to shout out to um, Keith Kellogg, who I believe is uh, he's an animator director. I don't think he directed this episode. Um, I don't actually recall, but he was talking about how essentially they said uh, <laughs> he call, he referred to riot racing as backwater pod racing, which is funny because yeah. I kind of would have thought of pod racing as like just backwater racing in general. Yeah, because well. it's like the poor, like it's <laughs> yeah. like a poorer like community right around it. Oh, but what's funny is that uh, I love that um, another shout out to Star Wars Pod. They called it heavy metal. Oh, yeah. Which is so perfect. Like, yep. it's the same exact thing. Um, so while they're waiting there, Sid, we, this is when we meet um, Ernie Hudson's character. He's a Dawutan gangster. 
uh, named Garini Malegi, and he obviously has some backstory with Sid. Yes. We clearly get that. This is kind of where we're getting some nuggets that I think are going to be important later yeah, potentially. on. Mm-hmm. I mean, something's got to be going on oh, because yeah. he keeps intoning to us, intimating that Sid is not who we think she is. Yep. And we know Sid. I mean, we know Sid is sketchy anyway, right? Um, but he, I feel like there's a emphasis on something being even worse. Yeah. And so my thoughts are wondering if she's feeding information to the bad side um, because she has to. Potentially. Or you know she's I mean? going to sell that. Or I, something. It hasn't happened yet, obviously, but maybe she has to. I think the most likely thing is there's going to be an opportunity for her to sell out the Bad Batch. And it's going to be... She's going to do it. It's going to be that trope of she sells them out, but then regrets it and then finds a way to like save them. I think kind that's going to happen, which is fine. That, yep. that needs to happen, yep. right? Um, the rest of his little crew is Jet Venom, who's a Nosarian. Um, and actually, I... I was wrong again earlier when I was reading the cast, which I said about five different times, and we're not going to edit that one, so whatever, I'm going back to it now. Fuck that. Um, he wasn't a droid, but he played the voice of that droid in Visions is what I meant. I, was, I just didn't write it the right way. I I'm thought sorry. that's what you were trying to get to, yes. and I was like, I don't want to like correct you yes, because I don't know for sure, but I was like, I think, I think that's he what you meant. He plays Jet Venom, but he also plays the B-20N yeah, Black Protocol droid. I had made so many notes about droids <laughs> that I just... I was like, I don't think Jet Venom was a droid. No, but I he was not. He was a Nasarian, uh, which we actually see first in the Phantom Menace during pod racing. We see that yeah. that first that was the first um, appearance of this race. Uh, and his name, uh, the Nasarian that we see in that is called Clegg Holdfast. <laughs> I think is a great name. I love the name Clegg. Phenomenal. Um, Garnak is another one of his cronies. He's a Trandoshan, like Bosk. We've seen him before. A lot of dinosaur-esque looking um, races going on. So the interesting thing about Garnack, I, I'm not. I'm getting, I know that we're. I want to get to the next. Episode, no, go for it. We, we can do whatever we want. But just some very interesting thing. If this is the same Garnack, if Garnack is not like a basic bitch name, just like like Matt or John for like white dudes uh, in the Transocean universe, there was a Garnack in the Clone Wars episode, uh, Wookie Hunt, in season three, episode twenty-two of Clone Wars. And this was the episode where Ahsoka and some younglings and Chewbacca are like out in the forest and they get kidnapped. Garnak's son was actually killed in that episode. So Garnak had a son who was killed. He got impaled on a spike. Mm-hmm. And Garnak actually also died in that episode, which would have happened before this. So huh? Hope, I'm assuming it's not the same dude because he was dead. But <laughs> it- again... It could just be, you know... If that is a mistake, that's... All Trandoshans, a lot of Trandoshans are commonly named Garnak. Maybe that's what it is. I was going to say, if that is a mistake, that's a really fucking funny one to make, where it's just like, wow, what's a Trandoshan name? Garnak. Go for it. And then it's like, oh, Shit, wait, that's the name we all already We already used. named a guy Garnak. Like, can you imagine just coming up with the name Garnak twice? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like accidentally or something? it makes sense. Um, um, that's really anyway, funny. Yeah, I just love that. Uh, so, Milegi gets Sid to bet on the next race, but obviously... The issue here is that um, he's trying to basically milk her for everything she has. Um, and, and the the riot racing, too, is like, you're probably going to get to this, but it's like dangerous, right? Oh, like absolutely. A, yeah. yeah. So it's in, you know, there's these tunnels that they go through, which we talk about, like, how there's like um, advertising in the tunnels, which is really weird, which I guess is maybe distracting. I don't know. But um, people are like running crashing into each other the they audience have they have we- yeah i already said yeah, yeah they have like saws and claws and shit and um they 
can obviously just like run over bystanders and no one cares. And the announcer says like, you know, remember that we're not responsible for anyone dying. So you have to be very careful about that, um, which, you know, makes me nervous because Omega and Wrecker are just like right in the front, just like screaming. Um, During this race, though, who she's bet on Teo again, he is tore up by Venom with a claw appendage on his speeder. Um, and, and so when he gets off the track, they have to put him back together. He's literally like separated. Um, and Malegi comes to collect his credits because his guy won. And Sid's like, let's do it. Come on. Let's just give me some time. I don't have it yet. Omega comes in and proposes this ridiculous scheme to be like, let's do a third race and Sid will pay you double. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Why would you do that? Yeah. And um, if not, they get Sid. Yeah. And no money. Like, if they win, they get Sid, no money. Yep. And so Malegi yeah. go ahead and takes Sid as collateral. So they already have to get her back. Um, as Tech is working on Taya, we have this side conversation where Malegi is, like, hosting um, Sid in, like, his suite. And he, like, uh, his, like, big meaty hand has this tiny little wine bottle, which I think is really funny. And he, like, passes it to her. And Malegi basically gives us some more of that intimation of, like, people are going to know who the real Sid is. Yeah, it very much seems like there, there might have even been a relationship between the yeah, two of them. Yeah, there's a little bit of tension. The way that uh, he... A sexy. Yeah, he's like, he's like, would you like a drink or something? And she's like, those days are behind me or yeah, something. And yeah, a little, yeah, a little dirty there. Anyway... <laughs> Little, little dirty. Little dirty little there. Little dirty there. Uh, they go to, into the third race, um, and Teo immediately steps on the t- course and is run over. <laughs> and at this point, he's, like, completely smashed. Like, Wrecker, like, picks up his head and is like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. He's dead. Um, and so Tech replaces him. And so this is... So basically what happens at this point is Tech goes in. Tech's whole thing is, like, I know what I'm doing. Actually, this is where I've like really started to like love tech because mm-hmm. he's just so cool and calm and collected. And like he's in the e- he's at the end of the lineup and for the most of the race, of course. And Wrecker's like, you're supposed to be in front to win, which yeah. is really funny. Like they're obviously not very helpful. Omega's helpful, but Wrecker's just sitting there like eating a three pronged hot dog and just like screaming at him, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. The, the whole, his whole deal in this race is just that like he, he can use kind of like in his enhanced intelligence or like his like instincts Mm -hmm. better than like a droid could. And like in terms, like he's like not going to use his weapons. He's going to use everything for his shields, which we're getting to see why I, I think the last few episodes have really gotten to show us like, um, why the, these clones are mutants or like why they're different from the rest of the clones. Like mm-hmm. we really get to see their special abilities. Um, we've seen hunters before, but I feel like we're really getting to see techs. Yep. Um, I'll yeah, be interested got- what they'll to, for them to do more with Echo and Wrecker. Um, we did get a little bit of Echo, not like his special abilities, but well, we did get an Echo focus episode. He was technically a normal clone, but we haven't really gotten to see like, We've seen a bit of what happened to him, of course, yeah. but we haven't really seen how that's affected him in terms of like his combat and his skills, mm-hmm. right? And we know Wrecker just like lifts shit and blows stuff up, but I think there's more to Wrecker than that because I love him. But maybe. anyway, or maybe there's maybe not. not. Maybe he doesn't get aside. <laughs> He's just always screaming, which is fine too. Yeah. Anyway, we see basically Tech surge to the front after he's like removed his weapons and stuff. And then there was one other note I just wanted to make about all the different like the announcer announces all the other droids and they're just so fun. So we have Jet Venom, but then we also have Bosco, the Mad Bomber Bricks, who is a Nikto in a spacesuit looking thing. 
We have Steel Claw Kane, who is another Nikto. Um, and apparently Nikto come in three different variations. There's like green, red, and mountain types. Mountain Don't know, types? That's what it says. Yep. Those sound like just D and D like I know, exactly. Species. Like different types of like dwarves, like a mountain dwarf or like a underdark dwarf. Anyway, they're mostly seen, which is interesting in the High Republic series. There's a mm-hmm. lot of Nikto in that. Um, there's Vicious, Vid Santari. Haxon, the War Gnome Trojanix, which is a BX series droid commando. Um, there's Quickdraw Kazar, who is really cool because he has the combined body of a 3PO droid, but then also the head of a B1 battle droid. Which oh, is so know. dope. You that's why I that. sent it to you. Okay. Yeah. I, you were He's like, like a Frankenstein droid. That's so funny because you were like, look closely at this droid. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a battle droid. But I didn't pay attention to the actual. He that's has a awesome. 3PO body. That's so cool. Uh, my favorite, the Trickster Flash Raptor, who's like a pink and bl- blue striped 3PO droid who has like this pink warrior stripe across their face. Oh, sick. Uh, and then Hyper Rod. <laughs> just love his name is Rod. Um, and they make a point to say he's on a seven deuce blaster, which I don't fucking know what that means. It's just some hyped up. It's like a hyped up speeder. They do this all the time where it's they just like, like to put shit in there. They throw things out. A where seven like, deuce blaster sounds like a really bad hot shit. Yeah. They, you know, they do this. <laughs> <laughs> like you're like you hear someone in the bathroom and it's like plop, 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 plop. And you're like, oh, they got they just had a seven deuce blaster. That's I, just what happened. like immediately went into. <laughs> That's my next point, and then I realize what you said. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, the ones that are like... I know, I, yeah, I totally... Yeah, yeah, you all know. <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> Don't take that out. Uh, I wouldn't. That's what everyone's here for. I wouldn't for the world. Uh, no, but I was going to say, <laughs> what I was thinking of was, they do this kind of in in uh, the... F- first prequel movie which i'm blanking on the name for episode oh, one. yeah they just say all this shit like when yeah when they're like this is uh i forget his name now but they're like this is blah 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 and he's uh he has like a record setting droid pit crew and it's like what what like why is that like you're bragging thing yeah. um but then of course they get to tech and they're just like tech and they're like wait that's it it's just tech <laughs> yeah it's just it's just tech. It should have been goggles. And I will point out, I po- pointed out this on the other podcast, but I did love that like tech kind of looks like um, Anakin with his little goggles and the pod racer. Yeah, a little bit. There's like a little bit of like a reflect, like a little reminiscence. Um, one thing, not going to go too far into this, but like, why are most of these like badass droids protocol droids? From what we know of protocol droids, they're literally usually like servants or like, you know, language. They... They know languages. They they are diplomatic droids commonly. I so bet. it's just funny that they have been repurposed as these like high like crazy like high octane like rebel. I don't know. It's just really cool. I bet it's because they're like stolen property and like they're easy. Oh, to, I like, love that. Yeah, they're easy to just like oh. remake kind of into. I love that. Yeah, lore, I bet that's what it is. Lore. Okay. Anyway, they monitor the race. Tech does win. He's like completely non-phase and like is able to win. Um, one other little thing I do love: there's like a bad tunnel they're not supposed to go into, the danger hole. Of course, and it's the called danger the hole. danger hole, and it's supposed to be it's called on um, the Nellis Express to Lotho Minor, which is a hint at Lotho Minor, which was the trash planet that Spider Darth Maul was on. Sick. Yeah. Anyway, um, Tech is kind of like pushed back and forth between Venom and Bricks, but he is able to get out. Tech wins. The big thing at the end of this is that Malegi's upset, but he lets Sid go, and two of his cronies go to shoot them, and he stops them. Yeah. But he does warn them one more time. He says, like, you need to watch your back with her. Mm-hmm. And so that's, like, again, the other piece. 
Now I want you to get into the next episode. I will. One other thing I want to say about this episode, though, I did just want to shout out, and we talked about oh, this. Oh, the music. The music, Holy yeah. Holy shit. That was like my our f- absolute Kevin favorite Kiner. part. Yeah, so Kevin Kiner actually, uh, he <laughs> it was funny, he tweeted out, he was like, oh, this episode's coming up, and like did like eye emoji, or, or maybe he didn't do eye, I don't remember, but he was just like, I can't believe this episode's here already, and it was like dot, 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 and it was like what are you talking about? Like, I was so nervous because I was like, okay, you're the music composer. Like, is it like someone's theme or score that's going to come in? That's going to be a new character. But no, it's just like, he just fucking badass techno music killed it with the soundtrack so on this fun. one. It was, it's amazing. It was the, the, the score on this one. Very, very good. And I think I would say so far like that, the score in the show has been uh, phenomenal. Chill but bumps. Yeah. This one, especially I was the, the, the music while they're racing was just like an absolute banger. Like it's so good. It actually reminded me very much of like Final Fantasy 10 or like that do, 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 do. Like, I don't know this like yeah. really cool, like our Final Fantasy eight, like techno music while they're battling. Like it was, it's very nostalgic, but also very futuristic. I'm glad you said that because there, we're, we'll talk about this in a minute, but there's some very like video game role-playing game-esque moments in the next episode. Oh, also, absolutely. I think in this episode, too, like, when you think about it, it's like, there's these, the way they do these Adventure of the Week type missions, it really feels like something akin to, you know, like, side missions and, like, Mass Effect and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I really, uh, I really appreciated this episode. It was a fun one. Like, it was, I also think... Probably my favorite, probably my, well, I mean, I really did like the, uh, Crosshair. Episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. probably the best like episode out of the season but so far. This is my like most fun one. That yeah, I really liked. Uh, I also think it's really funny that they named the episode faster, and of course, obviously, it's they're racing, but we also have Sonic. Sonic, <laughs> gotta go fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really funny, and yeah, but Ben Schwartz, Ben Schwartz was just playing Ben Schwartz really in this episode. Um, but I don't know, you that's gotta, fine. You gotta fucking love him. Like mm-hmm. he's just, he said he's just good. He, he said he's just good. Why did he I? He said he's just good. He said he's just good. <laughs> Um, he said he's just good. Anyway, diving into the next episode. So the next episode is uh, episode five, Entombed. And, and these are completely disconnected. They don't have really anything to do with one another. Uh, but this one, the summary, the Disney Plus description is the batch searches for an ancient treasure that stirs up a shocking surprise. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, this was directed by Nathaniel Villanova. Uh, it was also written by Christopher Yost. Uh, he has uh, he wrote episodes of Star Wars Rebels. He's also written a number of comic books and written on uh, a bunch of other animated series, um, a lot of Marvel series and things like that. Um, no new voices in this episode. Um, we have the Bad Batch, Omega, and then uh, Fee. I did just want to call out Fee one more time because we... We talked about Fee in the episode where she debuted, uh, but this is uh, Wanda Sykes as uh, the voice actor um, for Fee, and Fee is really featured in this episode, so we get a lot of Wanda Sykes here. This one opens up um, with Wrecker and Omega searching a junkyard and just generally being goofs. <laughs> um, we get a great line from uh, Wrecker where he just says, I love junkyards or yes. something. It's just stupid. So but cute. Um, they're searching for something very specific. Uh, but of course, they're also Omega is looking for other things that could potentially be sold. They pick up um, a lot of other items and bring it back to Sid's bar. When they return, we overhear Fee telling Ketch and Bolo a grand story about mm-hmm. discovering an artifact called the Grand Pearl of Novak. Um, I did just want to call out, there's a couple of different stories that Fee tells in these episodes. Uh, they're 
they could just be bullshit because they don't exist in lore as of yet. Um, but so, we love to we love to drop some bullshit and then yeah. make it real later on. Yeah. So that's so, what Star Wars does. Yeah, so this one Honestly, was... Honestly, that's the way Dungeon Masters work in d d It's true. Just saying. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, so this one is the Great Pearl... Or, or sorry, the Grand Pearl of no- Novak. So it could be that it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really know. Um, but uh, anyway, Wrecker and Omega, they return with the items and fee takes specific interest in one of them that Omega found um, and calls out that it looks like it's a compass or has coordinates of some kind. Yeah. Um, this is when we're introduced to Mel. Uh, uh, Mel. God, I love droids so much. Mel is Fee's power droid who is like just below a gonk droid, I feel like, it's in like size. Fe- it's like a femme looking gonk, right? Like very smooth, like, 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 I don't know, femme, just like a femme gonk. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I... It has cylindrical. Cylindrical, yes. It has the same kind of like it's. They're not related. They're not like a no. A like related at all. I don't think. I just ship them now. (laughs) I'm sorry, and they don't. They could be gay. Although, wait, is a gonk droid a power droid? Because they use gonk droid was a trash can. I thought so too. But like they use they use gonky to like power the ship at one point. So like and he's weights. And well, yeah, and has weights. But um, so it is possible that they're just kind of like very similar uh droid types but anyway mel is great we love mel um love her like little kind of uh uh gate you know as she's walking um she has a very similar just kind of stature to a gonk droid which is why i think we immediately just kind of shipped uh the two of them um so interestingly enough um it says that they they're actually they were remodified they were modified the Alliance used gonk droids and modified them to um, act as weapons and they would march across the battlefield and then blow up. <laughs> but they're just like a power droid. Okay, so then, yeah, they yeah. are the... So Mel is a power droid and Gonky's a power droid. Yeah. So, yeah, so they are kind of the same type of droid. Mel, just like a smaller unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how deep we're going into, Sorry, into this. Sorry, but they do no, look like fun. the trash cans at Disney World. Um Mel analyzes the artifact uh, that Fee took specific interest in, and uh, we see a map and learn that the coordinates are situated in an uncharted system. Fee convinces the Batch to accompany her on a journey uh, to kind of search for treasure, essentially. Like, that's the whole plot of this episode is, mm-hmm. she's a treasure hunter, let's go search for some treasure. Um, and we also start to see the admiration that Omega has developed for Fee at this time, uh, Feast, like I said, tells those stories of rescuing ancient treasure. Uh, we get another one as they're on the Marauder heading to this planet. Omega just kind of like sits enraptured um, listening to this story. She and mimics we can, her putting her feet up. It's yeah. Really cute. Um, we can also kind of see Hunter's demeanor towards Fee in this moment um, mm-hmm. and a few others. It doesn't, it's tough. And this is my one. I'd be a little jealous. I was going to say, I think he, there is like a little bit of jealousy. My one complaint about this episode is that they do something really interesting with Fee's character where it's like, she seems to have that characterization of like a Jack Sparrow or like a treasure Han hunter Solo. or Han Solo where it's like, are you, are you a bullshitter or your exploits like bullshit or are you for real? Um, and exactly. We, and we don't really get like much of a sense of like if she's real or not, which is fine. I think mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, similarly, I think we can't really get that big of a read on Hunter's 
kind of take on on her yeah um but it does seem like there is there could be some jealousy there also could just be like you know this is she's just a bullshitter like in in fact when she's telling the first story at the bar we do get remarks from the batch of like every time she tells a story it changes kind of thing so i think there is an element of that to um to her story there um but then again, she kind of knows her shit because when yeah. we find out what happens here, I mean, obviously she is a treasure hunter. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they arrive and they find that the planet is completely desolate. Um, it looks like something has basically scorched the entire Earth. Yeah. And we don't know what did it. Um, yeah. Of course, it's heavy foreshadowing, I Holy think. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, once they kind of settle in, they travel for a bit on foot uh, and find the entrance to a mountain that's caved in. Fee identifies this as the entrance to Skara Nall um, and talks about how it's kind of a legend and there's something, an artifact called the Heart of the Mountain that could be um, housed within. It's really interesting how much she just kind of yeah. knows about this. Um, don't really know what's up with that, but um, it is very strange, especially this uncharted planet that's completely desolate. Like, she's just like, oh, yeah, this could be Skara Nall, the like Heart of the Mountain. And um, it is. <laughs> it turned out to be she's correct. Um, I did want to pause here briefly because I think this is where the episode really starts taking on that very like RPG D&D-esque feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the kind of outside force fee giving the group the quest, right? Which is like a very, mm-hmm. as like we both DM'd before, that's like a very not easy, but that's like a way to like get your group to kind of like go off on a mission is like, hey, I got this mm-hmm. job for you. Um but uh, they also start having to go through a series of puzzles, dodging traps. We even get a monster, which at this moment kind of appears and watches them. Um, and then they have an encounter with it later on. I wanted to note, because this has literally happened in almost every single one of the DM, like D&D campaigns you and I have DM'd, mm-hmm. where your party gets to a door and they're trying to <laughs> oh, yeah. open it. In the most complex ways possible, spending all their spell slots, like, they're just like, oh my god, like, this is clearly a trap, like, you describe this door, and then one of your party members just goes up to it and turns the knob and opens it and goes, sometimes a door is just a door. And that's exactly what Fee does. Yeah. I, like, th- this has to be a, a D&D joke. Like, that mm-hmm. is, I've literally done that. Like, sometimes a door is just a door. Sometimes a door has to be a fucking door. Actually, yeah. nine times out of ten, a door is just a door. Please just open it. Yeah, and the and only go. time a door isn't a door is when it's a jar. <sighs> um, it's also funny, too, because uh, one of Wanda Sykes' credits is playing a character on Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which yes. is a Borderlands spinoff game that takes place in a... Dungeons and Dragons style fantasy world where uh-huh. she is one of the players. She's actually a, uh, I forget the name of her character, but she's a robot. Um, so yeah. it is kind of interesting that we have that tie in of like, it, this also is very like Indiana Jones esque. Um, also, too, we'll talk about it in a second, but like Jedi Fallen Order. In oh fact, the, the traps, if when they first kind of walk into the room and they have to solve this puzzle, I immediately was like, this feels really reminiscent of Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get some stuff later on that's like even more. So I was kind of yeah. really. Was, How is this possibly filler? Like this is incredible. I was kind of really impressed with myself for being like just the toot my own horn of being like, hey, kind of this feels like this. And then later on, it's like, oh, shit, Honestly, this really feels like this. Yeah. That moment that you're getting to like was jaw dropping. Like it, yeah. it changed the whole episode. At first, I was like, oh, this is fun. This is the first time I'm kind of feeling like, OK, I get it. Quests like. Yeah. But then it. There's definitely a churn. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But they basically, they get into the building. Um, they they um, start with the puzzle and they 
kind of turn the knobs the wrong way. They lock themselves in. They have kind of a little bit of an argument. And then Omega realizes that the the compass that she has is able to kind of see part of the answer on the the puzzle that they're trying to solve. Um, she uses her flashlight with it, and that kind of like illuminates some other answers throughout. Um, there's not really a ton to talk about in the in-between moments of this episode. Essentially, what happens is they continue on. They have an encounter with that creature that we just mentioned. Um, I do want to call out there's no information on that creature. No. We don't know what it is. Uh, we don't know where it came it from. It could just be like an ancient rat. <laughs> yeah, I think that or it's... Or a sentient being. Yeah, I, I mean, th- there's a lot of talk about the ancients quote in this episode episode mm-hmm. um in a kind of a lost civilization i wouldn't be surprised if this is related to that Absolutely. Uh, we find out later on it also could just be a throwaway creature um we don't really know you gotta have a little monster encounter yeah uh wrecker literally rips off one of its horns which was kind of brutal um but then after that they there's the classic the team gets separated mm-hmm. um they continue on and um like I said, there's not a ton that really happens during the exploration phase. Um, Fee saves Hunter at, in one moment as he kind of falls through the floor. The group ends up reuniting after Tech points out that their comms are suspiciously not working. And then they find a chamber that ho- holds a glowing purple object, which Fee calls out as the heart of the mountain. Also, I just want to note, like, conceptually and also, like... Um Conceptually, it kind of looked at first like a um, clone um, chip. Yeah, it kind and of I, I, that could not that could be not related at all, but it kind of did. It also had like a very like galactic. But it was also beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was absolutely beautiful. It could have been. It looked like it might be like coordinates to like a different planet or something. Like yeah, it, graphically, it was beautiful. It was a very beautiful little thing i thought it was really cool yeah it was very it was very cool um they she ends up grabbing it and when she does that's when we find out that the ruins aren't a mountain at all but it's the long buried kind of giant mech death machine holy fucking shit it just activates this thing that you kind of called out as looking like a long neck from horizon zero dawn you're not the only one who noticed that i saw a couple other people who mentioned that on twitter kind of thing flat top slow moving and for those of you who've never watched that or played that game it's phenomenal you definitely should Mm -hmm. very similar vibe here where there's like a civilization that technology was um seemingly much more advanced in the past Mm -hmm. which we get a lot from star wars sometimes you know um and basically ruined by its dominance of technology yep and the tall necks i can't really remember they're kind of like power power grids and your character actually has to like swing and like climb to the very top of them and then like put like this thing inside the top of the head and like it um it allows you to see more of the map, kind of like Breath of the Wild, like, you know, those giant, like, um, towers. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very cool. But yeah. w- holy shit, when this thing powers up and it starts just fucking blasting the ground? We find out, like, what basically destroyed this planet. Yeah. <laughs> it was this thing. Um, and we find out, too, that, like, the location isn't Scaranol. The creature or the machine is Scaranol. Uh and so the, basically the machine comes to life. It starts raising the ground. Uh, they have to rush to try and turn it off. The beast shows back up again. Um, Wrecker manages to kind of throw it out one of the windows. Hunter returns a favor with Fee. Fee kind of flies out of a window as well. Hunter's able to save her. Um, and then they're able to shut the machine down before it blows up the Marauder. But unfortunately, it's no! 
it does blow up Mel. Also, that moment where Mel is slowly running, but as fast as it can yeah. from the wreckage was hilarious it, and also so sad. It was so funny because you were like, no, Mel. I was like, there's no way they're going to kill a droid. And then it was like, oh, no, they did kill the droid. But we find out that Fee Thank has goodness. backed up her memory bank. She's like, oh, this happens all the time. I have we her memory Mel bank. Again. Yeah. I'm telling you, we're going to have a gonky Mel interaction. We're we going to have to. Yeah, we're going to have another Mel. I don't know if she's going to have the same chassis, um, Ooh, but chassis. we might have a new chassis. We'll see. Big um, assy chassis. <laughs> big assy chassis. Those gonkers. Yeah. Um, that's basically the end of the episode. Um, yeah. I did want to just kind of talk a little bit about Scar and Nall. Um, we talked about it looking like that kind of tall neck. I also wanted to say that this story, and again, this is kind of like that RPG uh, D&D element. It, the ancient civilization, that's obviously a trope that we get all the time. It reminded me a lot of like the Protheans and Mass Effect. Yeah, we were also like a reaper. There's a fucking reaper. reaper. Yeah. Um, and... I think that the other thing that a lot of folks have called out, and we talked about this, we started talking about this a little bit, is that the the Scar and Null has a distinct appearance uh, that kind of matches some of the Tomb Guardians in Jedi Fallen Order. Um, the Tomb Guardians were created by an ancient civilization known as the Zetho. Um and I also, too, you know, it just it felt very close to that game, like when they really arrived here, because there's a lot of like exploration of ruins and things like that. That 100 percent has to be the connection. I because think we're told that it was before the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So we're High Republic time. Yep. Like, that's exactly what it has to be. Yeah. And we always see that um, ancient civilizations, but also we as people and, and in, in uh, Star Wars, you create things that resemble you your people yeah and your 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 kind of species as you kind of like go out throughout the galaxy and so um for anyone who hasn't played the game um the zepho they were an ancient species who inhabited the galaxy various different places um prior to the high republic many were able to wield the force uh and they basically had a downfall after like some of their individuals became uh they they basically became went to the dark side essentially that's just what happens in Star Wars. <laughs> um, there's Zepho tombs uh, and temples on Dathomir, Kashyyyk, um, Ontho. Kashyyyk. Sorry, Kashyyyk. Wait, I might be wrong, but I think it's Ka- Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk, um, it has three Ys. Who knows? Ontho <laughs> um, and Bogano. And one thing I, I do note is that they have a very, the Zepho themselves have a very distinct look. Um, they have kind of a long neck with a head that kind of like flattens out sort of like a disc um and their tomb guardians that they created carry a very similar design i put some uh images in our uh doc cast for you to kind of see them but they i mean when you look at them and you especially the tomb guardian and then you look at the the skull and all like it just seems too similar to not be related um and we can put some of the images up on twitter once uh once the show goes live but it really seems like they're gonna be bringing some of this about and i don't know i just think that it's it's really interesting they also the weapons that the tomb guardians use that's another thing people have called out it's like this beam of electricity that shoots out of their um like out of their core and that's exactly what this this creature this thing does Mm -hmm. um so i think that we're gonna have whether or not we return to this or if this was just kind of like an Easter egg, I don't know, but it has to be tied in with the Zepho a little bit, especially since we're going to be getting, uh, I forget the name of it, but Fallen Order 2. Um, Can we also see um, in Obi-Wan the 
I know we saw some of the dead Jedi, but weren't there also some to- more older tombs, or were those newer tombs? I don't, I don't recall. I'll have to go back and look. But I was gonna say, in Fallen Order two, we have a Jedi who's in like a a potentially back to tank or a clone tube. Like I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there, um, and what we're actually what we're actually gonna see. Can I read this little tidbit? Yeah, go for this it. This could be completely not related to anything, and we can delete it, but. I just was looking up the Zepho because this is the type of shit that I love the most about Star Wars mm-hmm. is like the lore, like the yeah. lore of all these things. And so there was a Jedi named Eno Cordova. Yeah, he that's... was a human male Jedi master who served the Jedi Order. He was a scholar and archaeologist, and he was obsessed with the Zepho. Um, he first encountered the ruins on one of their temples in the planet on Potho. Sometime during the Clone Wars, while meditating inside an ancient vault on Bogano, Cordova was given a vision of the fall of the Jedi Order. To preserve the future of the Jedi, he hid a holocron containing the location of all Force-sensitive children within the vault and entrusted everything he had learned during his journeys to his droid, hoping that Junda or some other Jedi would continue his mission should he fail. Mm-hmm. Which is... Kind of like in the same timeline that we're in right now. Yeah. So that could be a connection. It couldn't be. Maybe they find, you know, maybe their research on this planet. We haven't found the holocron, or is that part of the Fallen Order video game story? So line? I'll be I'll be completely honest. I haven't beaten the game, but I know that. I mean, Cordova is like the driving force, like in yeah. the game, and like thinking you're following. like for sensitive mm-hmm. children, like Grogu, like all of these, like. Everything that Ahsoka was like working towards. I would assume that Ahsoka, if we haven't found it yet, that might be something that our side's trying to find so that mm-hmm. the Empire is not demolishing them. Oh, 100%. It's, it's one of those things that like, I think like if it falls into the wrong hands, and I, I'm pretty sure this comes up in the game too of like, oh, well, then that that just gives that just gives the uh, the the dark side like a roadmap, right? To, to further eradicating the Jedi. So I don't know. It, there, there's, there's a lot. I think that Again, like this is one of those situations where there's a lot of potential information tied into multiple sources, right? Um, as we get deeper into what seems to be, we seem to be careening towards like an overarching story. Um, at the end of the day, I think once we get into Ahsoka and potentially Mandalorian season three, those types of things that we're going to start like bridging the gaps and things are going to start being tied together. It seems like the Zepho ha- having this heavy sensitivity might have known about. The fall. But yeah, for sure. So I've... that's probably our connection there in some ways, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. So many little sparks are going off in my brain. Oh, I also just wanted to shout out to one more video game reference. The temple reminded me of um, the Dwemer in uh, oh, yeah. Elder Scrolls. Very, yep. very like puzzle dwemer puzzle again ancient civilization that's no longer around yes. like w- which was i'm sorry but like if you've never played morrowind or read some of the lore in elder scrolls that's like also top tier lore mm-hmm. like just go and fucking read it because it's so good absolutely yeah i mean that's basically it for that that episode um i think we covered all of the interesting tidbits mm-hmm. again you know if you if you feel like that this didn't give you what you wanted you know i hopefully this helped i get it but um i do think it, it is there's a lot of nuggets for folks who are like very steeped in the lore which also can be can be troubling sometimes too um but overall i think these were fine episodes like i absolutely didn't have a particular affinity like they weren't my favorites necessarily faster was great um, honestly now that you pointed out that whole zepho thing i'm like way more invested yeah like i just 
also just the propensity of this giant creature and they're like oh shit and it just starts destroying shit and like it was just Im- incredible the other so thing cool. we didn't really talk about it too much it's like as soon as it's activated it just starts destroying yeah. like so like what is what is its function like you know is it literally just like you turn it on and it just goes to town i mean it's basically just like this giant war it's machine a crop duster <laughs> yeah <It's, laughs> sorry i mean yeah it dusts the crops to dust yeah. um but um real quick we did want to do a uh, uh, really fast beyond the outer rim. So our good friend uh, in front of the podcast, Stick, he, he was on to talk about uh, visions. Yes. Um, he, AKA the author B.A. Braxton. Yes. He has a new book of poetry that just dropped called Easy Come, Easy Go, a poetic companion to Cowboy Bebop. Um, mm. He is our resident uh, anime expert. If we need fucking to. Fucking cool guy. <laughs> and, He's and cool guy. Fucking cool guy. If we need to, you know, talk to someone about anime, we're going to go to him. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, the book contains a poetic entry for each episode um, of Cowboy Bebop. And it's just a, it's just a really cool project overall. Um, it's available on Amazon in paperback and on Kindle. So go out and pick that up now and support a cool dude making cool art um, because yeah he's a cool Why guy not? yeah and it's a it's a really cool project i do think um i do think he he did a really awesome job with it so we'll include a link in the show notes but you can also find links uh, on our twitter we've tweeted it out and stuff like that so i think i'm gonna do a few different clips of this this episode because we've got a few cool really nuggets i want to shout out so just make sure you swipe when you're looking through the pictures cool post, so. yeah um but yeah that's it for today's episode we are at distant echoes sw on twitter and on instagram or you can find each of us individually cassie where are you located in this galaxy i am at cassie thulu on twitter and Instagram. And I am at Awkward Comma. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please, if you like what we're doing, go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Those really help us out. And we'd love it if you dropped us a five-star review or just whatever. I don't really care that much. Um, <laughs> but, but a five-star review would be really But a five-star great. review would be cool. You know, tune in next time when we take a little break to watch The Bad Batch's second income-producing income foray since, you know, Mark work's getting harder these days. It's called The Bad Bachelor. Sign me up when it's breakfast time. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.